The text for the sermon this, this day is taken from Acts chapter 6 and 7, which you heard a little bit ago. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So here we are, the second day of Christmas. There are 12 of them, in case you don't know. And we are still decorated. We have the Advent wreath, we have the trees, we have all the lights and the nativity scenes. But there's one thing that is different today than yesterday or Christmas Eve, and that is the colors. The colors of my stole, the colors of the pyramids, it's not white, it's not gold, it's red. Now there are two reasons why the color red shows up during the church year. The first reason is, is for any type of work of the Holy Spirit. So like Pentecost or Reformation Day or, um, or Confirmation services, those are the days when you see red. But there's another reason why red shows up. It shows up for the blood of the martyrs. And it's for that reason that we are red today. Since, ever since we began, the church began celebrating Christmas, the day immediately following Christmas has been commemorated by honoring St. Stephen. As far as we know, he was the very first of the martyrs, the first one to die for the faith. And so the question is, why? We just got done hearing about the birth of Jesus, and not right away we're talking about a man who was stoned to death. Why has the church calendar done this throughout the many centuries? Well, it carries with it the harsh reminder of what it means to be a Christian. The word Christian literally means little Christ. And so think about Jesus himself. Think back to Christmas Eve, it was only a couple days ago, I know a lot has happened since then. But look, when you heard Luke chapter 2, and I talked about on the Christmas Eve service, that, that word that we so often translate as in could be better translated as guest room or guest house. And if you remember in Luke 2, the reason why Joseph is going to Bethlehem is because that is the, the town of his lineage, which means Joseph had family in, in Bethlehem. So he had cousins, he had aunts, uncles, whatever, which gives a little bit more interesting, troubling thing to figure out. Why was Jesus laid in a manger? You look in the text and you see that they had been there for several days before she gave birth. Why did somebody give up the guest room to one of Joseph's cousins? Why did they not give up the guest room to Mary? Why did they prepare something for when that baby was born? Now, I don't have an answer to that. Any answer I give you is going to be speculation. But... It appears to be that to some degree he was rejected. 
already at his birth. And then it would only be of not that long after. So today is the commemoration of St. Stephen. Tuesday is the commemoration of the Holy Innocents. It's the remembrance of those children that were killed by King Herod in an attempt to get to the Christ. So anywhere from 40 days to two years after Jesus was born, Herod slaughtered every male child under the age of two in the town of Bethlehem. Because he rejected that anybody but himself could be the king of the Jews. At 40 days when Jesus was brought to Simeon. And by the way, that's the regular, that's the gospel reading for the first Sunday after Christmas. Simeon said to Mary, he said that a sword will pierce your soul as well. Foreshadowing what would happen to Jesus. That he would die right in front of her eyes. Three accounts within the first two years of his life of him, signs of him being rejected or him actually being rejected. And this would be the lot for Jesus throughout his ministry. There would be, they would be constantly rejecting him. Whether there be the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the, whether it be the, high, the priests or whoever it may be, they were frequently rejecting him. Rejecting what he was preaching. Rejecting his claims. They saw him do incredible miracles. They saw him made cleanse lepers. They saw him make the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the mute to speak. And yet they still rejected him. And this went all the way up until he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was betrayed, rejected by one of his own. The disciples, they abandoned him, again, rejecting him, at least for a time. Peter denied he even knew who Jesus was. The Sanhedrin rejected him by, when he said the words, From now on you will see the Son of Man descending on the clouds. He was rejected by the government as Pilate ordered his crucifixion. He was while he was hanging on the cross, dying in agony, he was rejected by, at one point, at least at one point, both of the, the thieves on the cross. One eventually repented. But if you read in the other Gospels, at one point, both of them were hurling insults at Jesus. The crowd down below were hurling insults at him. Everyone rejected him. That was the lot for Jesus. He was rejected by man. Rejected to the point of death. Death by crucifixion. He was rejected for you. He was rejected for your sake, for your forgiveness. And by the way, here's the lot of Jesus. Quite often we still reject him. We reject him in, his, in our actions. We reject him in our neglect to our faithfulness. How often do you pray? Honestly. 
even before a meal. Way too many Christians, the only time they pray is when they walk into church. Way too many Christians, even though we have more access to the Bible than we've ever had in any period in the history of the world, do not ever open it. We don't take time to be in God's Word, to be in Bible studies, so that way we can learn God's Word better. One of the things that I thought about it after I preached it on, Tuesday, on Thursday, or Friday, whatever, whichever day was Christmas Eve, it's all blended. But on Christmas Eve, is a question to challenge, is how many people don't remember the last time they received the Lord's Supper? And the bread is the body of Jesus, and the wine is the blood of Jesus. To, refute, to the, get to the point that you don't remember when you received it, you are rejecting Jesus. Which is why Luther said, if somebody has not received the Lord's Supper at least four times in a year, their salvation should be feared. It's really hard to have faith without neglecting the sacrament. Rejection is the lot for Christ. But he was rejected because of that sinfulness that is in each and every one of us. But see, here's where it comes to Stephen. So, remember I said that a Christian, the word Christian literally means little Christ. Jesus told his disciples, no servant is greater than his master. If they rejected me, they will reject you as well. So why is it that we're talking about this the day after Christmas? It's to remind you that if you follow the one who is in the manger, who went to the cross, and the more ardently you follow him, you will be rejected. Because the world wants nothing to do with him. They don't have a problem with the baby in the manger, but they have a problem with the God that he is. The world will reject you the more faithful you are. And Stephen is a very embodiment of what it means to be a little Christ. I don't know if you noticed this in the text. In Luke, when he was on trial, he stood before the Sanhedrin. Now, it may not have been exactly the same individuals, but it was the same governing body that Jesus stood before. And just like Jesus, they were hurling all sorts of insults surrounding the destruction of the temple, even though they were false or misunderstood. And then, he says, you stiff-necked people, actually saying something very similar to what we heard, just heard from the Gospel of Matthew, charging them for the way they had treated their prophets, This is a point where they start grinding their teeth. They're getting frustrated. But then he says, Behold, I see the heavens open, and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. It is at these words that they rush at him. Very similarly, when Jesus was on trial before the Sanhedrin, 
He, they asked him plainly, are you or are you not the Christ? To which he says, from now I tell you, I am. And from now on you will see the Son of Man descending on the clouds of heaven. And it was at that point that the high priest tore his garments and demanded his crucifixion. Very similar words. And as they threw him out of the city to stone him, Jesus was crucified on the outside of the city. They're laying down their garments before him. And, G and Stephen says the words, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Jesus' last words when he died, recorded in the Gospel of Luke, who, by the way, Luke wrote both Acts and the Gospel of Luke. But Jesus said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. The words, not exactly the same, but you could definitely see the similarities. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Jesus from the cross said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The words, not exactly the same, but the heart of the words are very similar. He's being an echo of sorts. He is imitating Jesus to a degree. He is being a little Christ. Suffering death rather than reject Christ. And by the way, I don't know if you notice that last word in that text. It doesn't say he died, it says he fell asleep. Which, by the way, if you read through the God, if you read through the New Testament, they don't talk about Christians dying. They always talk about Christians sleeping, because death for a Christian is just a really long nap. It's a reminder that they'll wake up one day. But this is the cost of following Him. The stronger you are in your confession of Christ. The more boldly you speak of him, the more you will be rejected. I'm often reminded of a professor in seminary, or at Concordia, Wisconsin. He asked this question once. He asked the question, have you ever suffered for Christ? And the very next question he asked, if you haven't, then you've got to ask yourself, why not? Because according to Jesus, if you are faithful, you will suffer. The reason that a lot of times we don't suffer for the sake of the gospel is because we are in denial of him. Or we're silent. Very simply, think of it in terms of basketball. If you, or even football, we're in bowl season. Let's use a football analogy. You have a wide receiver that's running down the field, and there are no defenders on him. No one's even bothering to defend him. What does that tell you about that receiver? Tells you he probably can't catch the ball, so even if it was thrown that way, there's no problem. But on the other side of the field, you have a guy that's getting double and triple teamed. That tells you what about that receiver? 
It means he is probably one of the best. And he's, if you throw the ball his way, he's going to catch it and he's going to take it the distance. So similarly, the devil goes after those who are a threat to him. Those who are bold in the faith, those who are proclaiming Christ, he will come after you. Because he does not want you to be bold. He wants you to be silent. He wants you to walk out this door, the doors today, and pretend as if you've never heard the gospel. And almost as if you forgot it. Because he wants you to be no threat. And if you're no threat, he'll leave you alone. But if you are, he will come after you. There will be people that will hate what you say. People will hate the way you live. You'll hate the way you're telling them, come, hear God's word, receive his sacrament. They'll get annoyed by you. They might call you a Bible thumper or whatever, or something of that sort. And sometimes the devil will hit you with the world, sickness, death. There are so many ways that the devil will come after you to try to silence you, to lead you away from Christ. That is why we are focusing on this today. Because this is, as a Christian, to bear that name of Christian, you're called to suffer. But why do we endure it? Because Jesus was rejected for you. He suffered everything, even death, for you. And for that reason, we boldly imitate him. And the thing is, is we fail over and over. And the great thing is, every time we fail, he invites us again and again to receive forgiveness, to receive grace. That's why we keep coming back to the word. That's why we keep coming back to the supper, to receive forgiveness and strength because we, without doubt, fail. And we keep faithful. We endure this because, as a great quote from Luther, he said, you may cut off my head, but that's okay, I know one who can grow it back. Because you see, even if we were to face death for the gospel, it's not really death. You're just falling asleep. Because Christ was rejected, died for you. Born, died, rejected for you. For your forgiveness. So that when you die, however that may be, it will be but a slumber. And just as he rose from the dead, so shall you. There is no form of death. There is nothing they can do to you that can stop it. Those who are Christians, Little Christ, you will rise in him. So may he give us the strength to go into this world in these 12 days of Christmas and beyond, proclaiming the Christ, just like Stephen. In Jesus' name, amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keep you in the one true faith to life everlasting. Amen. Please stand as we sing the hymn.